My Govanen, welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel, I'm the Tolkien Geek, and I was browsing through YouTube one day and this video came across my feed that I thought would be kind of interesting to do as a video of my own. It's a video about two guys doing a thing on whether a story is from the Bible or the Lord of the Rings. And I have not watched the video yet, so we're going to experience this sucker together and we're going to see how well I can do at answering the questions. I don't think it's going to be that hard, because I've read The Lord of the Rings and the Bible several times. But maybe he's going to word some of the stories in a really vague way to make it tough. I don't know. So let's get started with this video, and I'll link to the video itself in the description. If you want to watch it on your own, I'm going to be playing it in the background on mine so you can see it and hear it. Uh, but I'm going to at least make it easier for you if you want to follow along click the link below because i don't know how well the audio is going to come out on mine i'm going to try to make it come out as well as i can but can't make any promises can you give us your best gandalf impression oh frodo a wizard arrives precisely when he needs to can you give us your best jesus impression Okay, that, yeah, I, I can see why he thinks this is going to be a little bit tougher, because that wording is definitely a little on the vague side. Uh, reread that, he had a little thing up there. Four heroes separated, two sailed away, while the other two went into enemy territory by foot. The two going into enemy territory almost sounds like Frodo and Sam. But who are the four that would be separated in that scenario? And Frodo and Sam would be the two that actually went to sail away as well. So that doesn't seem to work. Now the video is titled as this from the Bible or Lord of the Rings. But he also he didn't say that in the video itself, and there's an implication there may be more here to it than that. I can't think of a story in the Bible that has four heroes that get separated and two of whom go into enemy territory. But nevertheless, I can't think of a specific story from Tolkien where this would actually apply. I'm going to say it's a Tolkien story, but I'm not sure what he's referring to, so let, let's... I rewound it a, a tad bit, but let's see what we get. ...into enemy territory by foot. I'm really confident from the get-go, personally. <laughs> okay. Well, this could be Joshua and Caleb and the Old Testament stuff. Oh, I see. Stuff. Sailed away, though. I know. This, uh, this, I mean, Frodo and Sam, yeah. they sail away. Yep. Sail away! 
and the other two, Mary and Aragorn. Pippin. Oh, well, no, it's Aragorn it and um, you're gonna have to toss me. Gimli. Yeah, Gimli. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I, I think it's that. I, I do too. Yes. Go Lord of the Rings. What? That is correct. Sail away. It is correct. Get out of here. It is the Paul and Barnabas split axe. Paul and Barnabas split in axe. Four. I don't know which four they're talking about. Are they gonna explain this? It's all the lords, thus we are correct. Next question. Well, I mean, I have to say, the way they worded it, that does make it... The Paul and Barnabas story he's referring to, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was traveling with, for any of those of you who don't know, was traveling with other people as he was going on his missionary journeys out into different parts of the Roman Empire, converting them to Christianity, and... Paul and Barnabas uh, end up, is it Paul and Barnabas splitting from Mark? And I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how the split works out. I don't remember there being, well, either somebody went with Mark and somebody went with Paul, or it was just Mark, I forget. But yeah, calling it enemy territory is really, really vague. And also... To say that two of them sail away and two of them go by foot, I don't remember it being that specific. I'm going to have to go back and read that. That was, um, yeah, that I, I'm kind of with the guys doing the video here. I'm not sure I'm entirely comfortable with saying that that's an accurate description of what happened there. But anyway, let's let's try the next one. The chosen one leads an army of spirits against the enemy. Okay, now if that's not Aragorn and the dead men of Dunharrow, they're really, really trying to just trick people here. Okay, so oh. this also is Aragorn in Return of the King. Yes. He comes back with the goose. The goose. Against the enemy. Also a subjective term. I'm going to say Tolkien. I do agree with this. Going to go Tolkien? Okay, good. This time it's correct, yep. Yeah. Tattooed man on a white horse leads an army into battle against the forces of evil. Okay, I see what they're doing here. They're trying to make it sound like Gandalf as the white rider, but the tattoos gives it away. It's not. Uh, I think that's referring to uh, Jesus in the Revelation story where he comes back and he's on a white horse and he has, what is it? a name written on his thigh, or... I forget exactly what it is, but it, it's a reference to that story, not to Gandalf. Having tattoos. Oh, I've yes. referenced this many times, that in Revelation, Jesus has uh, the name King of Kings tattooed on his thigh, or written on his thigh, and some have suggested that it's tattooed there. Okay. And I don't know a lot about Tolkien... Tattooed, I don't remember a lot stuff. of time. So I think this is Jesus. Okay. I think it's the Bible. Holy Bible? Okay. Yes! All right. Yeah. Finally, you got your questions correct. <laughs> a group makes it over the mountains into Ooh. a new land, but were forced to go a different way because they thought inhabitants were terrifying. Okay, so that, all that again, seems like it's trying to in evoke the idea of Frodo and 
Sam and Gollum, but it's actually the Israelites after leaving Egypt going into the promised land because they send 12 spies and this is they they referenced Joshua and Caleb earlier that was a reference to this story actually because Joshua Caleb and 10 others one from each of the tribes of Israel go into the promised land to spy it out and Joshua and Caleb are like let's do this God has said he's going to give us the land let's go in and take it and the other 10 are like those people are scary we're not going to be able to do it and they ended up not doing it, and so God punished them by saying, okay, you're going to have to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. So that's definitely what this is referring to. Now, this could be very Lord of the Rings, Misty Mountains, running They're away up from... the pass, and then they have to go back down. The inhabitants are terrified. That's interesting. Could this be, like, Abraham as he's entering the land that God promised him? I can't believe these guys haven't gotten it when they already referenced Joshua and Caleb. Promised land, but it's actually giants. I think this is a trick question. Mary's on it. Bible. Oh, good twist. I see what they're doing now. The creator brings forth life through song. Okay, song gives this one away. It's the Ainulindale. It's obviously Tolkien. But this also proves that they're not just sticking to Lord of the Rings, by the way. So the video is not accurately titled. Just, you know, pointing that out. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I, it has to be the Bible. There's a part of me that remembers that Tolkien wrote the Silmarillion. There was a kind of god-like figure in that one. Could be that. Now, so through song in Genesis, God just speaks. Yes. So maybe the song is Tolkien. Let's go Tolkien. Tolkien. Okay, nicely done. A sorceress summons a ghost to gather information for a king. That's definitely the Bible, because this is a story about the witch of Endor, which is interesting because the word Endor brings together not only the Bible and, and the Lord of the Rings, but also Star Wars. Endor being a name for Middle Earth in one language, Endor being, of course, the planet uh, moon that happened where the return of the Jedi happens. And it's this thing in the Bible. Saul is about to go into battle against the Philistines, and he enlists the help of a spirit medium who is not supposed to even be allowed to exist in Israel because of the law of Moses, and asks him, asks her to raise the spirit of Samuel to give him advice or basically tell him what's going to happen. She's not very comfortable with it because she's like, don't you know that this is illegal? Not even realizing it's Saul. Uh, but anyway, that's that's the story that this is referring to. But it sounds like something that you might hear in like a Tolkien story if you're not very familiar with his stuff. Could that be a psalm in essence? I think that's Saul. I think oh, Saul really? sees a sorceress, and I think it's they call for they call up Samuel. I'm gonna say it's Saul, okay. and it's the Bible. I've got nothing to argue against that. Let's go Bible. Nice Christian well school. <laughs> Our hero narrowly escapes from the caves with his life and snags a piece of his tormentor's cloak as a prize. Okay, this again is being worded extremely vaguely. But this is a reference to David when he's on the run from Saul in a different part of Saul and David's story. Uh, David comes in when Saul is camped and takes a piece of his cloak to prove that he was able to get into his camp and could have killed him to show that I don't actually mean you any harm because Saul is trying to kill him because he thinks he's trying to usurp the throne. And he takes the 
the cloak from Saul or a piece of the cloak from Saul and gets out and then later shows it to him saying, look, I could have killed you. I didn't. I don't actually, I'm not trying to do anything harmful to you. That's what this is. This almost feels so fictiony, but it also feels similar to Saul and this David. Is, this is David. Yes. He comes out with a piece of his cloak because exactly. his servants say, the Lord has delivered Saul to your hand. You should kill him. And David says, I won't lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. So I think it's David and Saul in the Bible. In the Bible. Yes. All right. Well done. Crushed it. Crushed it. A bear almost kills a group of lads. Turns out he was really a man. Okay. For a minute there, I thought they were going with Elisha. Because uh, there's a story where Elisha is being taunted by a bunch of boys and then he ends up calling on a bear to basically kill them all because they're mocking God's prophet. Um, I think maybe this is referring to Bayorn killing the goblins at the Battle of the Five Armies because, of course, the word lads is what gives it away because in the Down Down to Goblin Town song, both in the book and in the Rankin Bass Hobbit movie, it's, well, I think they even do it in Peter Jackson's, uh, although it's terrible in Peter Jackson's. Uh, it refers to, yo-ho, my lads, and whatnot. So the, the goblins refer to each other as lads. The orcs refer to each other as lads. So I think this is referring to Bayorn in the Battle of the Five Armies. We'll see. That's got to be Tolkien. I don't... There's a story about Elijah or Sha. And, there, and the he bear. sings the song about... You know, bring out these bears. Bring really? out these bears? Or, what are you talking about? <laughs> isn't, isn't, there a song, isn't there a song about, like, an Elisha calling... Someone gets made of, made fun of for being bald, and he calls yes. out bears? But he doesn't sing a song about bears, does he? We don't know that. I like that. I like the idea. <laughs> Do um, you want to go Bible or Tolkien? Well, there's though? nothing in that where it turns out he was really a man. I know, that's what makes me not want to go Bible. That's what gives it away. Let's go Tolkien. Spirits torment a man drawn to the evil he possesses. Spirits, this is so vaguely worded it's ridiculous. Spirits torment a man drawn to the evil he possesses. I mean, that sounds like any number of possible demon possessions in the Bible, but I'm trying to think if there's a... Spirits torment a man. And see, the tricky thing is here, like, how broadly are they defining the word man? Because you could argue that this is Frodo, and the spirits are the Nazgul, and they're tormenting him because of the ring. But torment is a really bad word choice there. Frodo is not a man, he's an adult male, but he's a hobbit. Uh, so, I, I mean, this, this is one that you could put in either category depending on... But I can't think of a case in, in the Bible where any demonic possession or anything like that is specifically related to an evil that a person possesses. That's That's a really weird way to word that. You could argue that some of those occurred because those people were already evil and that's why the demons were able to possess them in a few cases, I think. 
but I don't really think that that... I'm going to go with Tolkien here, but it's really bad wording no matter how you look at it. I'm going to be curious to see what they say this is. Give you kind of biblical vibes because I'm not thinking of any spirits taking over characters in anything in Tolkien, but I don't the drawn to the evil he possesses, which is like innate in us as human beings, and I feel like we talk about that in the Bible. I think it's Tolkien. Let's go Tolkien. Oh, Nazgul chasing Frodo, trying to take the one. That's a Nazgul. Yeah, see that that to me that's terrible. That that's. I knew that's probably where they were going to go with it, but saying that it's spirits, first of all, the Nazgul are not really spirits in the true sense of the word. They're tormenting a man. Frodo, mm, yeah, that's just, that's that's playing really fast and loose to try to make it harder than it ought to be, but okay, whatever. Drawn to the evil sea, possesses the ring. See, okay, I I like that. I already know this one. A king goes crazy and lives among the animals for a year, but then comes to his senses and returns home, which is a reference. Before he says it, I'm going to tell you who it is. It's a reference to Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, I remember this. It's Easy. Fingernails get long like an animal. Ew. Nailed okay. it. All right. A man gets greedy for power, so the ground opens up and swallows him and all his followers. All. This one is also from the Bible. It's a story of while the Israelites were on their way to the Promised Land, one of the... I think he's one of the Levites, uh, I forget exactly, but uh, his name is Korah, and he complains that Moses is calling all the shots, and he says, well, we want to have a share in the say of how things go, too, so I'm pretty sure that's what's happening here, because as a result of this, Moses said, if you want to side with that guy, go over there. If you want to side with me, come over here, and when everybody picks their side, God opens the ground underneath Korah and his followers, and that's the end of that. So the Bible, that's like the sons of Kadosh, or uh, Korah, sons of Korah. Okay. Well, yeah! Right, sons Mike. of Korah. Is it Korah? Yes. Yes! And this is our last one. A friend immune to the temptations of evil will always be there for you if you just call for him. I think they're trying to cheat and go with both on this. <laughs> um... I suspect they're going to say this is both a reference to Sam and Jesus, but Sam is not immune, so it better be just the Bible, but let, let's see what they do with that. Does this feel Gandalfy to you? It, well, it feels both Gandalfy. It's like the eagles yep. who come to Frodo's aid. No. But this could also mean Jesus. I think Jesus is more immune to the temptations of evil than a eagle oh he absolutely is i i think this is a reference to jesus all right let's go for the bible <laughs> tom bombadil oh gosh what <laughs> hang on let me go back and reread that because a friend if you just call for him okay but will always be there for you that's that's why it's wrong because like, all of that actually works if you say, we'll, we'll be there for you if you just call for him. But when you stick in always, that's the problem. Because Bombadil will not leave the realm, the little boundaries that he's set for himself. And that's one thing that's made clear in, in the story. And so the idea that he'll always be there for you, if as long as you're within his little realm, that works. But the minute you step, sat, step foot outside that, 
He's not. And so to say that he'll always be there for you, that's cheating. That's not actually accurate, guys. That That's not, no. Temptations of evil, Jesus, who will always be... Jesus is more immune to the temptations of evil than a eagle. Oh, he absolutely is. I, I think this is a reference to Jesus. All right, let's go for the Bible. Oh, how is that not Jesus? A friend, Jesus, immune to the temptations of evil, Jesus, who will always be there for you if you just call me. Guys, we need this to be exclusively one or the other. This feels like a both and. So that means we got 12 for 12. There we go. Crushed it. You actually missed one. At the first one. Which was also the wrong answer that you guys gave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us 12 out of 12. Way to go. If you say so. Well, let us know how you thought we did. We thought we got 12 out of 12, but what do you think? How'd you do? Because there's no way you got 12 out of 12. <laughs> By their standard, I got the exact same score. Uh, and frankly, I actually agree with them. Uh, because, like I said, on that first one, yeah, calling the whole Paul and Barnabas thing enemy territory, I mean, entering enemy territory by the logic of... So, going back to that one, just to explain a little bit, Paul and whoever separates from Mark and whoever, I think, and they go on missionary journeys. They go into, you know, other areas everything is enemy territory for the early Christians in, in the New Testament. Literally everything. So to say that they enter, they started in enemy territory. It's like, that doesn't actually make any sense. Now, it doesn't line up with anything in Tolkien either. So, I mean, neither of those answers is really correct. And in the same way, you could say that this last question about where they say it's Bombadil, you could argue it's both and. The other one was really neither nor. So, I mean, they kind of cheated on the first one, and they're kind of cheating on this second one, on this last one, too, because Tom Bombadil is not always there when you call him. Otherwise, why didn't they just continue to call him throughout the story? That doesn't make any sense, right? So, anyway, I would say that at, you know, if we want to discount the, the two at the beginning and the end that don't actually really work, 10 out of 10, you know, because the first one legitimately has no answer. Arguably, the last one also does not have an answer because there's a sense in which even Jesus is not immune to temptation because Jesus was tempted and he, you know, it was an uncomfortable experience for him. He sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane before being taken prisoner and crucified, according to the Gospels. So it's not like he has no, uh, what no psychological response to temptation. It's not like he's just, nothing bothers him at all. So, technically, you know, you could say that that doesn't have an accurate answer either. So, only the middle ten really count. And of those, I got them all right. And some of them they, they tried to be a little tricky with, but, in fact, didn't manage to pull it off, except for the first and the last, which they were only tricky enough because they kind of cheated. Uh, so that was that was interesting. I, I was wondering how they were going to make it hard because, you know, there's the stories in the Bible are not really that much like the stories in the Lord of the Rings. But, of course, they ended up going outside the Lord of the Rings and went into the creation story, which, of course, that the Silmarillion, Anulindale, and the Genesis story are similar in some ways, but there's no singing in Genesis, or at least 
you know, maybe it's poetry in Hebrew, but I, I don't know enough Hebrew to know that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I kind of figured they were going to have to go something like this route where they make things too ambiguous by, by kind of cheating with language and stuff like that. And that's kind of what we got. But some of them were legitimately interesting to look at because some of the stories do seem like things that you wouldn't encounter in the Bible or wouldn't encounter in Tolkien, but in fact are. So it's kind of an interesting exercise. Like, do you really remember enough of the details of the things that you read in these two books to really, well, more than two books in the case of Tolkien, because it's more than just the Lord of the Rings, but let's say these two sources, if you really remember the details, because if you do, you'll understand what they're getting at. But if you don't remember that much of the detail, you'll miss a few. So that was fun. If uh, any of you had interesting thoughts on some of the questions and how they were worded or whatever, you know, leave those in the comments. Leave your own score in the comments if you followed along and tried to answer the questions yourselves. So, you know, see how well we all did because, like I said, some of those were kind of legitimately tricky unless you've really, really studied both sources. So, uh, that being said, that'll wrap it for this video. Check my social and support links in the description below. Follow me on Twitter for occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions, which are more fair than the ones that these guys were asking. And until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. The Marie. Thanks to all the channel supporters, especially Elf Friends P.A. Brew News, Tracy Meehan, Nathan DeFore, Paul Leone, and Ole Gregg.